know, I, I just finished listening to your DVD Spotify playlist last night. It's a lot of music, a lot of great music there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, I've been working on that. Uh, I've been slaving away at that. Maybe uh, I've put more energy into that than like my writing music the last couple months. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if I should go with so, sort of really deep cuts or if I should kind of like do some of the hits. I tried to find kind of like a... Yeah, you did both. Yeah. A, ha- a happy medium. My goal with it was to somehow get it up to be about six hours long, which is the length of like a service industry shift. So I kind of made it for like kids who are working at coffee shops across the land, you know, or bartending shifts or stuff like that. So so that was the goal. You could come in and put it on. And by the time your shift was over, it would be ending. top of the show, you heard Chris Stewart. He's now the lone member of the dark electronic act Black Marble. Make sure to check out his Spotify playlist, Entire Curb Your Enthusiasm box set on DVD. Love that title. More from Chris shortly on his new record, Bigger Than Life, available on Sacred Bones Records, the same indie label as John Carpenter and David Lynch. Later on, we chat with Michael John of Colorcubic, an independent product design and digital marketing studio based in downtown Portland. More from Chris now on his new label, Sacred Bones Records. You're listening to the Portland Podcast. I'm your host, Gregory Day. Pretty, 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 pretty good. It feels like a, a, a kind of a family vibe, you know? I mean, I thought I thought I, that was one of the things that kind of a, a, attracted me to it. Uh, the previous label that I had been on um, focuses a little art. bit more. Well, well, in between Hardly Art and Sacred Bones, I put out a record on Ghostly, and they focus a little more on uh, just kind of like pure electronic music. So I didn't really feel... Like there were necessarily other artists on the label that I would tour with and that, that kind of thing. Um, I kind of thought maybe Sacred Bones, there'd be a little more possibility for, for, the, for that stuff. By the way, this video is incredible for private show. A couple of videos I want to talk to you about. Uh, there's a one you directed first. For one eye open, that video. Is it Holly Gaines that starred in that video? Yeah, Haley is her name. Haley. Haley, Haley Gaines, yeah. yes. Yeah, she was in uh she was on the cover of uh our second LP. That's right, yes. Recognized her but from that, yes. I thought it would be interesting to kind of uh bring her back since uh since this was gonna be the um the first music video for the for the third record. I thought it might be interesting to incorporate her in some way. That stuff was all shot. We shot in Pasadena, and then we also kind of... The idea was to start early in the morning in Pasadena in, in, uh, where she would theoretically live or where we kind of imagine that she lives and just kind of follow her all the way down downtown and to kind of end the, end the music video uh, kind of at dusk. So the, the concept of it was, you know, pretty simple. We just wanted to kind of follow her throughout the day and, and, um, and imagine that she's kind of listening to the song uh, on her headphones and that she's kind of in her own little little world and that she's not too concerned with 
anything going on around her. So yeah. uh, on that awesome uh, Sony Sports Walkman. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that was harder to find than you might imagine. That. <laughs> Speaking of which, being in your own world, mm -hmm. this beautiful video of a private show directed by Ben Joyner, mm -hmm. absolutely gorgeous. Now, who doesn't love a flaming grope? Yeah, exactly. Uh, that was pretty interesting as well. I, I think like uh, Ben sort of picked up on some of the themes of the song and the record in general. And I uh, thought it would just be interesting to put me in a, in a, in a do, do, you know, the, the most ridiculous fish out of water scenario you could kind of imagine. And uh, it just so happened that he he grew up uh, he grew up in the South and so did I. But, I, you know, I grew up in Virginia. I'll never call I'll never tell anybody I grew up in the South again after having been in southern Mississippi, because the, the, the South that I grew up in is quite different from from this version of it. Uh, this is this that's the real stuff down there. It's really and they were very interested in what, what we were doing. I mean they were they were really curious about about it and were were constantly asking us, hey, are y'all y'all shooting a video what are y'all doing? Y'all shooting a movie? Like what and um uh there was an interesting element there of sort of a, a, a an insider outsider vibe where they wanted to make sure that we weren't gonna uh, do anything that was going to kind of like reflect negatively on on their community and stuff like that. They were a little wary of us and um, a little. Uh, it came across as respectful. I mean, that's what I got from it. I've been to a lot of rodeos. Yeah, I talked to some people that had whose family has been going there since the beginning. So I believe it was eighteen eighteen eighties, eighteen nineties, or something like that. And it started off just Holy a few cow. people. Yeah, it started off just a few people kind of sitting up on a hill and they would judge like, you know, like best jam and like best cow and stuff like that. And they give them they give them little awards. And then over the years, it, it kind of grew and grew into this 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 big county fair. Um, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, this new album, let's talk about this new album just really quick. Uh, it was inspired by your car breaking down and you had to get a bus pass. So you got to see more of L.A. since you moved from New York to L.A. You got to see a lot of it. That's one good thing about the bus. That's true. Well, I rode the bus a lot in New York. But interestingly, I mean, in New York, the bus is a very kind of like egalitarian thing. I mean, everyone rides the bus from, you know, Wall, Wall Street guys on their way to work to, to, to the people sort of like. Uh, clean, you know, emptying the waste baskets, you know, at two in the morning behind them. So you've got, you really got the whole gamut there. Where in Los Angeles, um, you know, if people don't take public transit if they they can avoid it. So it was, a, it had a it had a different feel to it, and um, it was interesting to me to sort of uh, come to understand that and see the difference in the culture between uh, New York and LA. I mean, you, you would think I kind of when I. Before I moved here, I imagined, I don't know, I don't know if I gave it a lot of thought, but I just kind of imagined Los Angeles to be sort of like New York with palm trees or something. But uh, uh, it's, uh, it's a completely different... Um, different energy. Completely different town, completely different energy. Uh, and um, the sort of class structure is more evident here because of because things are spread out and because you need a car. Um, it, it's, it's fairly inconvenient to take public transit. So people aren't doing it if they, if they don't have to. Um, and so I, I, I saw, I saw a lot of people who were, you know, who would have rather been somewhere else, you know, and, and, um, would have rather been doing something else. And, uh, you know, that can't help but kind of like rub off on you, especially when you're, when I, I was doing, I, I took it every morning for, you know, a few months. Um, so um, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that this album is, is some, is just sort of like a reflection on, on, on that. 
uh, solely or specifically, but uh, but uh, I do think um, I'm partially influenced. Yeah, I mean, you can't help that stuff. Can't help but sort of like have an effect on you. I was looking at the lyrics too for "Bigger Than Life," and I'm wondering what your thought process was uh, when writing those those words. That song for me is is sort of about uh, a feeling out of step with your. A lot of the things on the on the album have to do with just feeling a little out of step, and um, and that song specifically is sort of almost a. Um, like an homage to to a to to a, to a to a homebody or kind of a shut in. Yeah, so, so yeah it, I get so that. Yeah, I mean, it's just somebody basically saying that they have a different way of of seeing things or or looking at things, and 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 part of them would like to be different, but uh, but that's just not the way that that's that's just not in the cards for them. So, uh, I mean, you know, these things are just just sort of come to you when you're. When you're when you're writing, so, so and, many uh, people feel that way. I mean, so many yeah. people are boxed in. It's a strange era we live in. Yeah, it's definitely a theme that's current. But and also, I think it, it you know it make it made sense for for me to tap into that, just being that my daily routine was to kind of like take this bus every morning to the studio and just kind of uh, almost have it be like a job. And um, and and I didn't really have a lot of social interaction while I was writing this record. I tend to get pretty like hunkered down. And um, so, you know, all these things are sort of reflective on, you know, the external world, but also they're kind of looking back at myself a little bit. I got kind of an upbeat vibe from from this record that that surprised me how upbeat it was. I felt like aerobicizing. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think I think that. I, I'm glad that comes across because I did. So for the uh, yeah, in in a way, I think pe- people often ask me, you know, how did the move to LA have a, have an effect on on your sound and stuff like this? Is a common thing that I get asked. And 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 more than that, I think for me at least, I you know, the latest thing is a product of the last thing. You know what I mean? So 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 the decisions that I make going into record number four to a certain extent are gonna be um, reflective of some of the things that I did on record number three and kind of choosing to go against that and try something new. So I remember for the second record being so stressed out all the time uh, and, and really just feeling so much pressure to try to, to try to do something that was good. And, and, um, and I, you know, I really stressed myself out. And, uh, and I think that on this record, I, I consciously made an effort to not stress myself out about it and take a more casual approach. So um, I skipped around a lot more. I would, you know, write a little bit of a song and then I would just kind of come back. I would I would put it away and I wouldn't come back to it for 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 weeks because I didn't want to ever feel weighed down by any one thing. So I just kind of like moved around and um, and I think it, that's probably part of the reason why it comes across a little a little more upbeat is because I just wasn't so. I, I tried to take a, a a more relaxed approach to to writing it, and was hoping that that would come out in the in the songs. Um, and 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 not only as a as a reaction against my previous work, but also I just felt like you know when I wrote the last record, I felt like the world was to me felt a little more uh, in a little bit better hands than when I wrote this one. And so almost as a conscious effort to try to be uh, a more of an antidote to, to some of the things that I saw going on around me. I wanted to um, 
take a, a more fun approach. You know what I mean? I mean, in a weird way, like like dance music and and house music and this this long tradition has uh, these these uh sort of dance kinds of music have a long tradition in in marginalized communities because of the way that they have a have a an ability to kind of uh, uplift. Yes. So I mean, not to put yes. myself in in those 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 people's shoes, but I I I I get the reaction against feeling kind of powerless uh, against some of the things that are that you see going on around you and and instead of wanting to wallow in that and say oh hey look at me i'm so complicated um to try to you know make music that's just going to allow people to take their minds off what's going on a little bit yeah that's the that's the right approach yeah you've come out the shadows i mean vocally i mean the vocals are are more pronounced and you're starring in your own music videos congratulations (laughs) yeah yeah, who knows how long that's going to last, but uh, maybe it'll be like Groundhog Day. We'll see if I if I go back into my shell. It's going to be six more weeks of winter or something, but uh, uh, hopefully I'm here to stay. We'll see. Well, you know, I, I always knew you had a, a strong voice, you know, from your live performances, but you really, uh, the, the vocals are more pronounced than this and uh, great melody. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And uh, more live shows. You've got an amazing uh, show coming up with John Mouse and, and Gary Newman. I think that's uh-huh. on the first, and uh, that that must be very exciting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, to play with Gary Newman is just so so amazing. And um, you know, I, there's other, uh, you know, it's sort of, it's sort of a small uh, scene of of uh, musicians. It's a small small world, you know. So so it'll be nice to catch up with some people that that I know um, as well. Some of the other musicians that are that are that are playing the festival. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, I just finished listening to your DVD Spotify playlist last night. It's a lot of music, a lot of great music there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, I've been working on that. Uh, I've been slaving away at that. Maybe uh, I've put more energy into that than like my writing music the last couple months. <laughs> you know what I forgot is how good Kajagogo was. Yeah, I really put like uh, I was wondering if I should go with so, sort of really deep cuts or if I should kind of like do some of the hits i tried to find kind of like a yeah you did both yeah a, ha- a happy medium but uh my goal with it was to somehow get it up to be about six hours long which is the length of like a, a service industry shift so i kind of made it for like kids who are working at coffee shops across the <laughs> land you know um or bartending shifts or stuff like that oh, so yeah so the, that was the goal. You could come in and put it on, and by the time your shift was over, it would be ending. <laughs> how thoughtful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I loved how you mixed in the cheese with, uh, I mean, Bona Dish. They were they're fantastic, uh, Mount Kimby. But also the Go-Go's. Uh, I have to thank you for introducing me to Chris Cohen. Beautiful melodic voice. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, I love, I love, I love him too. I guess he's sort of like a newer guy on uh, Capture Tracks, and um, so he's like a little bit. I think he's around my age, but he, uh, but I don't know if he'd released any music before. I was new to him through uh, and found out about him through his first Capture Tracks release. I kind of keep, have a have a ear to the stuff that they do, just having you know lived in New York and, and all that kind. Of. They're a great label. But, uh, yeah, yeah. And you're on a great label, too. I mean, you're on one of the best labels out there, Sacred Bones Records. Same label as David Lynch, Blank Mass, Soft Moon, Trust First Album, Zola Jesus. 
Uh, by the way, I, I just want to, this isn't really a question, this is my last thought. Um, I, I discovered you through that Backwoods video directed by Timothy Fiore but way back in 20, 2012. Um, have a lot of people discovered you through that? And, you know, how involved were you with that incredible video? Uh, I was not involved with that video at all, as a matter of fact. Uh, uh, Tim came to me and um, gave, had some ideas. And then the video was actually almost 180 degrees different from from what we had discussed. But at that point, I was like, well, uh, you know, there it is. So that was our that was our first video. Um, and um, and that's, it's crazy that uh, timeless. Yeah. I mean, I think thanks a lot. I'm sure he'd he'd be he'd be happy to hear that. But yeah, I, I that 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 was all that was straight from Tim Tim's mind. I can't take any credit for that. Are you going to get to meet David Lynch now you're on his label? Oh, I hope so. I hope so. I hope I can. I know you're a him. fan. Oh, of course. Who wouldn't want to do uh, work on music for 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 David Lynch? I mean, that would be. Uh, well, you have instrumentals on this on this record, so you know you uh -huh. never know. He could get licensed. So there you go. You never know. He could get he could get in a fight with his uh, his you know his current team or something like that, and be looking for somebody new. And maybe I can step in. Okay, we're recording. Michael John, nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you. We're here at uh, Color Cubic Central. This is your office. Yes, sir. This is where it all happens. You're a very organized man. <laughs> this is very well organized. What are these books we're looking at here? These are your books you use for reference, for inspiration? Uh, I think at one point, yeah, but they're... Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah, I've got some Frank Lloyd Wright in there. Branding and design. Yeah. There's a few that I've had the privilege of being published in, but um, really, yeah. And I see your robot head over there. That's very impressive. Oh that yeah, Cylon head. <laughs> Remember that from your Instagram yeah. a couple years back. Yeah, yeah, it was for like some Halloween, some Halloween event. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're very clean and neat and tidy. That that's very impressive. Very impressive. <laughs> I'm not just uh, slobbing it about in here. Right. <laughs> It's a bit of a chore for me, to be honest. It can't be. So Color Cubic is a product design and digital marketing studio. Yes, sir. What does that mean in layman's terms? Product design usually meant, at least back in the day, it used to mean industrial design products. So consumer electronic products. So like yeah. uh, things that were tangibles, like obviously like, you know, Herman Miller chairs or uh, Beats by Dre headphones. But nowadays... Uh, it's a little more ambiguous and um, it means it means it still means those things but it also means uh, like mobile apps or 3d plugins web apps or 3d plugins yes sir yeah, which is what you specialize in right now one of <laughs> it's one of many things that uh, I'm working on I see a lot of 80s 90s inspired visuals from your work would you say that's an accurate description of yeah absolutely and not and yeah, not just visually. I think musically as well. Yeah, it definitely. Really, eighties. Oh yeah, synth wave. Uh, absolutely. I I I. Have any synth guitars? Any Jan Hammer you guitars know, at home? I, I had I had a guitar. <laughs> for a, I'm not kidding. That's not a joke. I had a guitar for a long time, and I never used it. 
and I regret not using it. And then, and then I, I don't know, I need to get it fixed. I still have it. Our art director, Ibrahim, Ibrahim Mustafa, he's, he's, this guy's incredible. He works for, uh, he's worked for Marvel, for DC as an illustrator and uh, also a storyteller, um, a writer. And he just recently, uh, he just recently landed a contract with this pretty renowned French publisher uh, and called Humanoids. Ibrahim, great, great guy, amazing, amazing artist, amazing designer. And again, someone with a real strong work ethic. I think one of the reasons why he and I work so well together is because he, we just, I think we have a very similar philosophies when it comes to uh, design, when it comes to, you know, client creative relationships, yeah. things like that. I think a lot of my inspirations are uh, very indirect. For example, not to trail off, but I, I'm really inspired by Damian Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers, really? right? Uh, his, Shooting threes from yeah. parking lot. Oh, he's he's clutch all the way. But that's that's the thing is like like what's the relationship between what I do and what that guy does? For what inspires me is that he is somebody who has never been given a chance, and then he is finally given an opportunity. And even still in the NBA, a lot of these veteran players won't give him, you know, the respect he deserves. And he's he's out there, like just knocking knocking these statistics off the charts setting his own statistics setting his own uh milestones and i mean the guy's work his work ethic is crazy and so that really inspires me and just how humble he is and aesthetically your influences who are those you know interesting i mean so yeah sid mead definitely i i mean so i think the thing about sid mead is that he he has this way of portraying environments especially sci-fi environments in a way that's really subtle but believable and and just it's just this masterpiece painting you know and so i think aesthetically he really inspires me um from a visual storyteller standpoint if that makes sense like he has a way just with a single image a single picture to really take you your imagination there and it you know it leaves you wondering like what's that world like but I think a lot of starting out, a lot of my influences were, um, you know, Herb Lubalin, uh, Otto Liker, um, you know, a lot of topographers, a lot of iconographers. Uh, Did you see Helvetica, the film? You know, I didn't see it's a that. wonderful film. I, but I didn't see it. I didn't see it intentionally. There was something. I, I, it was dumb. It was something. There was something I was going through during that time that I was like, yeah. I'm not going to see this film because everybody else is going to see it, which doesn't make any well, sense. Well, um, a director's made other films about design. Yeah. And I think he's the only person doing them in, in, in such a palatable way for mm. a general audience. But a bit of pretense there, but uh, sure. I, I can deal with that because yeah, yeah. it's great, great content. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I interrupted. Are there influences? Oh, no. Um, so... To Topographers. Yeah, uh, a lot Something of... Something I love. Oh, yeah, definitely. Topography is a, a big part of what Whenever I do. Whenever use topography now, it just drives me crazy. It is a bit of a... It's a bit of an eye strain, right? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm on the hunt for, for some really beautiful type that I can go to that isn't overused or people don't really know about it at all. If someone has a hard time conveying what their creative direction is, then... I'll give them a series of questions to really help. I have a series of uh, questions that... Um, oh, really? This yeah. is something you've developed on your own? Uh, not on my own, no. I actually worked with... Uh, I worked with, a, interestingly enough, a psychotherapist to develop them. They, they're essentially my way of vetting the client. 
and they help to gauge what uh, a is the is the client going to be worth working with. B, depending on how they answer, informs what I can expect as far as just the relationship as a whole. So uh, I have a few questionnaires that uh, I've I've built. I'm kind of kicking myself for not doing it sooner because it uh, it's really helped to avoid some huge huge problem accounts. At least at least with Color Cubic. I mean those those clients may work really well with a certain type of people. You know, I mean it's it's like relationships. You know, not all people are meant to be together. Not all clients and and creatives are meant to work together. Yeah. <laughs> Who was a psychologist or a psychotherapist? Psychotherapist. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I should. I don't know if he'd we'll want. Skip it. Yeah, I don't know if I want. I don't know if I want to give his name out because then everyone's gonna tell what I did. Product design. Yeah. Um, what products do you design, and can you tell us more about that? So robots. Robots. Yeah, that helmet. I, I get asked to design a lot of stuff, so I think one of the such as one. So one of the last tangible, like physical pieces of of hardware that I helped design was um, actually through one of my colleagues and and friends, uh, Ben from Outlier and uh, Ben Friedel. And so he, one of their clients, uh, Control Tech, were developing this uh, com- this computer this computer engineer interface and. They asked me to help brand it and then also design the chassis of of this interface. And so, um, which I published on my Instagram. My, Although my, my son, he's three, he accidentally deleted one of the posts for it. Oh, really? Yeah, he likes to be on, he likes to get on my Instagram sometimes. He has an account that he likes to look at. At the age of three. Yeah. Do you see yourself as a storyteller? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a big part of your job. Yeah. I think that that, I think when it comes, and again, I think it depends on the relationship, but I think that there's, I think there's a lot of crossover between whether you're selling a product or a service, you have to tell a story. You know, there has to be a narrative there. And I think especially nowadays um, with- Even in a logo? You think a logo has to tell a story? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be one of those people that's like, you just- you know, over exaggerates what a logo is. Like for me, a logo is a very simple thing. It's it's an easily identifiable mark image. You know, and is it is it memorable? Is it recognizable? I, I wrote this I wrote this piece about it about it for uh, for another client, and they it, it really helped to it really helped to solidify the relationship more because I think they had a really they had a really interesting perspective on what logos and icons and just just branding was and um the idea of branding is i mean if you break it down in layman's terms you know like how cowboys used to brand their cattle which you know like that's whatever your opinion is about that that's but that's you know it was like this is my property you know i'm working with a leather goods manufacturer uh life leather actually so they're uh my friend bally runs life leather and it's she does amazing work everything is like hand stitched and she's been doing it for a while. And um, so we've discussed s- establishing kind of a partnership of unique leather good products. So you're integrating leather with tech. Yeah. And I don't know if it'll be like in that way, but definitely there's a there's a nice kind of harmony between tangible goods and digital products. And yeah. um, 
but I mean, I, I want to take it. I want to. I want to go for the fence. You know, there are like skate decks, uh, even developing our own synths, like music products. So there's a lot of stuff that's in the works right now, and yeah. I, I've kind of flirted with it a little bit on Instagram, but I don't think it, people realize just how far yeah. along some of the stuff is. So sounds like you're shooting a three from downtown. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is wonderful. Michael A. John. What does the A stand for? Stands for Anthony. Anthony. Michael Anthony John. Thank you so much for chatting. It stands for absolute. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. And thanks so much for chatting with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to the Portland Podcast. I'm Gregory Day, your host. I produce and edit the show. If you'd like to contact me directly, you can email me at greg at pdxpodcast.com. We'll be back very shortly. See you then.